0: A series at the moment called "How We Change." Pastor Adam uh, began the series for us by talking about how change is slow work. The way we change, the way we are transformed to become more like Jesus, it's a slow process. It's a patient process most of the time. Last week, Stephen continued the series by talking about how change is heart work. He talked about the fact that without Jesus and without His grace, our hearts are actually fallen. They're sinful. And we can actually not do true good without God's grace. We can't do it out of love for God in our hearts. And so that's why it's appropriate this week that we talk about how change is God's work. We're dependent on God for real change, and so we're going to talk about how change is God's work this week as we open up Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13 together. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, please open them up to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll be exploring those two verses a little more deeply together. Now, I wonder how you feel about the topic of change, of development and transformation as a person. Maybe you don't feel that motivated. Maybe you know there are things in your life that could be healthier. Uh, Maybe there's eating habits. Maybe you, you watch Netflix too much, but you're kind of like, well, I kind of enjoy those things. I don't really want to change. They're not the best, but I don't feel that motivated. Maybe for you, this topic brings up feelings like lacking confidence, You're not really sure you can change. Maybe it brings up despair. You've tried so hard to change something about yourself before, and you just weren't able to. And this topic brings up despair for you. You just rather accept the flaw that you have or the habit or the addiction that you have. Well, I'm excited to share with you how change is God's work this morning because I believe as we understand this truth, it can fill you with confidence and motivation to pursue change and transformation, perhaps more transformation than you'd ever dare to believe to have in your life. And so we're going to open up the passages together in just a moment, but first let me speak to you if you're here and you're not a believer, you wouldn't call yourself a believer. Let me encourage you just to listen in with an open heart this morning. Because as you hear about how God changes the believer, I want you to know that you can have access to God's power and his resources through faith in Jesus. Open yourself up to the possibility of having access to that. And if you want access to God's power and his grace, then you can access it through faith in Jesus today. Change is God's work That's our topic. Kids, make sure you have your sermon sheets ready because there are lollies on the line this morning, so make sure you're ready to go as we dive in. And I'm going to read for us Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13. This is what Paul said when he wrote this letter. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let me just read that last part again. He says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, Paul calls on the Philippians, and by extension, us as Christians, to work out our salvation. The original word that Paul uses there can also mean produce or to bring about. So Paul is saying, produce your salvation. Bring about your salvation. Now, if we think about it like that, it raises some questions, maybe even some alarm bells for you. Maybe you're wondering, hang on a second, Jesus has saved me. How am I meant to produce salvation and bring it about? Hasn't he already saved me? I don't contribute anything to that, do I? Well, I think it's helpful for us just to clarify right at the beginning some of the ways that the Bible talks about salvation. This, this idea of being saved by God from sin and Satan and death. The Bible talks about salvation in three different ways that I'm aware of. It talks about it in three different tenses. So it talks about how you have been saved, how you are being saved in the present, and how you will be saved. So first, you have been saved. This is what theologians call justification. And kids, if you want to look for a word to put in you that you don't know yet, that's one that you could use. Justification. This is the fact, this is what Jesus accomplished with the cross. When he died in our place, taking our judgment, dying for our sins, he actually accomplished our justification. So when you put your faith in Jesus, he says, your judgment's already taken place in Jesus. Your sins have already been paid for. So you are now justified in my sight. You are righteous. You are accepted. That is what justification is. You have been saved. But the Bible also talks about how you are being saved. And this is what theologians call Sanctification. That's a big word that we could really just call transformation. God is making us more like Jesus over the process of our lives. It's a process. It's it's the transformation of us becoming more like Christ. So you are being saved. And the Bible also talks about how you will be saved. And this is what we call glorification. So God, when you see Jesus face to face, God will perfect the transformation that has been happening. He will bring it to completion. Okay, so you have been saved, justification, we don't have any contribution to that, it's all Jesus. You are being saved, sanctification, it's a process throughout life, this is something we actually contribute to, we'll see in a moment, and you will be saved, you will be glorified and perfected, that's something we don't contribute to, it's something that God completes when we see Jesus face to face. So what Paul is talking about here when he says, produce your salvation, work your salvation out, he's talking about sanctification, that process of becoming like Christ. We are actually involved in the change process. We are responsible. We're going to talk about that more next week when we talk about how change is your work. But for now, we're focusing on how change is God's work. So in Philippians 2, Paul says, work out your salvation, but then he says, for it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you. When it comes to the process of change, it is God who works in you. This is necessary because, like Stephen taught last week, without God's grace, apart from Christ, we are powerless to do real good, to love God. And this is what we see happening in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God saved a people for himself from Egypt, and he gave them his law, but then they would continue to fail. They did things like make a golden calf and worship it, and God judged them, and then he gave them more law, and then they rebelled again, and God gave them more law, and and then they rebelled again. And part of the message of the Old Testament is to tell us that the law, while it's good, it cannot change our hearts. We need something deeper. And so towards the end of the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, God promised that he would bring a new covenant. A new covenant. So Israel were part of the old covenant, and God promised at the end, I'm going to make a new covenant with you on better promises. And this is what he says in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 to 27. God said to them, he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to replace the hard heart with a soft heart. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So who's responsible for change according to Ezekiel 36? Who is doing the work? Who is keeping the law? God is. He said, I will move you to follow my decrees, to keep my laws. Change is God's work. And we are living in the fulfillment of these promises. We are living in the new covenant. The night before he died, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He did that at the Last Supper. We're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper later on today. Jesus launched the new covenant. We're living in this era, in this age, where God promised to give us his spirit and to move us to obey his laws. One of the most clear passages on this topic comes from Hebrews 13. The writer is praying for his readers, and he says, Now may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Change is God's work. It's not just something he's doing now. He's always planned it. Romans eight twenty nine says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. If you're a believer, he planned from eternity past to change you and transform you to become like Jesus. If you're a believer, God has given you his spirit. You are living in the times promised in the Old Testament, the, the new covenant, where God is working in you to change you and transform you. I want you to imagine for a moment that without Jesus, your life is represented by an old broken down home, kind of like a shack. The house's gutters are full and they're beginning to break under the weight, the windows are broken, uh, the paint is peeling, And, and when you put your faith in Jesus and God gives you his Holy Spirit, it's a little bit like a master builder moving into the house, And the master builder has glorious plans for this house that represents your life. And he begins to pull down old walls and to renovate and to create new things and to paint. And he is working to create something glorious in your life. That's a little bit like what happens when we put our faith in Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the master builder, moves into your life. And you better believe that he's not going to sit there idle. He is going to get to work at renovating you from the inside out change is God's work but how how does God go about his work what kind of change does he do well let's look at the second half of verse 13 Paul said for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose so what does God change well he changes our will The original word Paul uses there also means desire. And I think Paul has both things in mind. God changes our will and he changes our desires. So when the Holy Spirit moves into our life, he actually changes our desires. We, We are given new spiritual taste buds. And all of a sudden, a meal that we didn't enjoy becomes delicious to us. And we begin to feast on God and to enjoy Jesus. But God also works in our will, He works in our will. We actually begin to choose the things that please God, and we begin to reject the things that displease God. And it doesn't just work in our desires and will. He also works in our actions. As a Christian, even just the the action of genuinely reading Scripture to know God or forgiving someone who's hurt you or giving money to the disadvantaged is an act that God carries out in us by His Spirit. Change is 100% God's work. Now, this is kind of mind-boggling. I think at this point, you may be starting to have questions. Like, okay, like, do we contribute anything? We can't just be passive, can we? Aren't we responsible for change in our lives? Aren't we responsible? And the answer is yes, we are responsible. Let me try and explain this by walking you through four mindsets that kind of float around in Christian circles about change or transformation. And I think this is a helpful way just to kind of bust some of the myths and some of the misunderstandings and to kind of help us understand what the Bible speaks about when it's speaking about change. And I've heard this, I can't take credit for this, this is from uh, Dane Ortland in his fantastic book Deeper that I've heard these four models. So up to this point in the sermon based on what I've said, you might be thinking that change is a matter of God, not me. It's a matter of God, not me. So God is represented by the blue square, and then he's the one who does all the work of transformation. You might be thinking it's that. And and this mindset about change can kind of sound spiritual. You know, it's all up to God. It's not up to me. I'm just going to sort of surrender. I'm going to let God and let go. And he's going to do the work. I'm going to trust him to do it. it. It sounds kind of biblical, but it's not quite fully biblical because, as we'll see, especially next week, the Bible talks a lot about how we are involved in the process of change. We are responsible to pursue change. So that's one way of thinking, God, not me. Another way of thinking is God, then me. This mindset thinks about how God starts us off in the Christian life. He accepts us. He forgives us. And then we're responsible for becoming like Jesus from that point. We need to be grateful. We need to start doing good things and becoming more like Jesus. Jesus. I see a lot of new Christians sort of falling into this mindset. So I like, oh, wow, God has saved me. This is incredible. Now, I better show that I'm grateful. I better change. And as they get a month or two months in and they find that some of the sins they struggle with aren't going away immediately, sometimes they can become despondent because they're wondering if they're really saved. This process doesn't really account for the fact that God's grace is not just present at the beginning when we come to know him. It's present throughout our Christian life. Another way of thinking about it is God plus me. It's sort of 50-50. God does a bit of the work. I do a bit of the work. But that's not really fully biblical either. The biblical mindset is God in me. God in me. If we can put the next slide up. Kids, what color is that in that square? Purple. How do you make purple? What two colors do you put together? Does anyone know that? I had to Google it, to be honest. But Red and blue. There's a method to the madness with my slides there. The God was blue, we were red, and anyway, I thought that was pretty cool, but it's not that impressive, really. This is the biblical mindset, God in me, God in me. Change is 100% God's work and 100% your work. God causes the change, and you act the change. We are not passively waiting for God change to change us. It's not God, not me. We are not fretting and worrying about God's acceptance all the time, worrying if we've done enough, because it's not God, then me, and it's all up to me. We are working hard, knowing that God is at work in us. Change happens through God in me. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So who worked, God or Paul? Paul? was well, 100% God and 100% Paul at work. In Colossians one twenty nine, Paul says, "To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me." Who's working in this verse? God or sorry, Paul or Christ? Paul and Christ. Paul's 100% involved and Christ is 100% involved. Change is not God, not me, or God, then me, or God plus me. It's God in me. This is how transformation works in the life of the believer. And I want us just to draw a conclusion from something we've just said, from some of the verses we just read from Paul. And I think it's helpful because I fall into this trap often. I want us just to stop for a moment and notice that Paul says he worked hard and he worked strenuously. It is not unspiritual to work hard for God, to put plans in place, to adopt spiritual bliss disciplines, to work towards goals. It is not unspiritual to work hard, as long as we are aware that without God's help or power, we cannot produce any fruit in our lives. We are dependent on God 100%. You can imagine this if you imagined if you were like a fruit farmer, farming fruit trees. Farmers work hard, don't they? And they're 100% responsible to do the work if they want to see fruit growing. They've got to till the soil and cultivate it and fertilize it and plant seeds. They're 100% responsible to work hard. But they're also 100% responsible for God to bring the sun and the rain that it needs for growth. And that's a little bit like when it comes to change. We're 100% responsible to work hard, but we're 100% responsible on God to bring the growth. Now, if you're like... me, me, sometimes you wonder or worry that you're working out of your own strength. You know, you might be working hard and trying to do things for God, and you're like, oh, am I working out of my own strength? Am I depending on Jesus? Uh, And I think a really good test for us, if we're thinking about that, is just to examine our prayer lives. I think a dependent person is a prayerful person. Because think about it, when it comes to my work in ministry, it can feel like I'm getting more done when I'm doing emails, responding to people, and I'm making calls and checking in on people, when I'm doing stuff. But when I'm stopping to pray, sometimes I almost feel like I'm, I'm not doing work. But that is a key part of, of a work of a pastor because I'm 100% dependent on God to bring transformation to people's lives. So looking at our prayer life is a good little test to see if we are dependent on God for the growth or if we are just working hard thinking that it's actually up to us change is god's work so let's work hard for change with the energy that god gives us and let's bathe everything in prayer knowing we are dependent on the holy spirit for growth change is god's work but why does this matter well two things i'll finish on these first of all it means that god gets the glory god gets the glory Do you have an inkling of desire in your life to change something that you know is not right with God? Praise God. That means that He is at work in you. If you have that desire, the Holy Spirit is at work in you. He works in your desires, remember? He also works in your will. If you've ever decided, oh, I'm going to start reading the Scriptures because I want to get closer to God. Praise God. He's at work in you. If you've ever gone about, okay, I'm going to pursue change, I'm going to try and kill this sin, or this anger issue, or this lust issue, or this lying issue, or whatever it might be, praise God. He's at work in you if you're pursuing change. When we realize that change is God's work, God gets all the glory in our lives for change and transformation. When we know that without Him, we are spiritually dead, we are broken down shacks, it gives us gratitude, and it protects our egos from growing because we know that any beauty or fruit in our life was made possible only by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of the things that I think makes Christian growth more attractive than self-help growth. We see a lot of self-help books and things like that out there, and some of the strategies are actually pretty intelligent. We all want to change things about ourselves. But if you want to pursue change in the self-help kind of way, and you manage to accomplish some change on your own it will only puff up your own ego. It will grow your pride. You want everyone else to know what you've done. You'll look down on those who haven't changed like you have, and you want people to be impressed by you. If we pursue change in a self-help kind of way, it just puffs up our own pride. But Christian growth is 100% dependent on God. So when change happens, the ego doesn't grow. We don't get puffed up. We just get more grateful more joyful, more thankful to God, and that is an attractive and beautiful quality in a human being. Knowing that change is God's work ensures that God gets all the glory. This is why the Apostle Peter said, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. You see that there again. And what, what's the purpose? So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. When Christians grow and understand where that growth has come from, God gets the glory, He gets the praise, and we get joy and gratitude. There's another reason why we need to know that change is God's work. God gets the glory, and we get confidence. We get confidence. If change is God's work, if He's committed to this, then change is not just possible, it is inevitable. Paul said to the Philippians in verse, chapter 1, verse 6, he said, He was confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. See the confidence there? Because he knows that change is God's work. If change is God's work, then we have every reason to get to work. If change is God's work, we can't hide behind excuses anymore. We can change. May you believe that this morning. You can change the things that you most want to change by God's grace. If change is God's work, we can work without the anxiety that our place in God's family is on the line. If change is God's work, we don't need to despair every time we fall into sin. We can get up and keep fighting knowing that God is with us. If change is God's work, you can confidently pursue change because it is almighty God who works in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and is working in you to renovate your inner life. If change is God's work, then one day when the work is complete and God has glorified you and perfected you, you will fall down at his feet and praise him for his mercy in your life and for what he has done in you. Change is God's work. And that's good news. Dane Ortland sums up what this means in his book, Deeper. He says, Amid the storms of your little existence, the sins and sufferings, the failure and faltering, the waywardness and wandering. He is going to walk you right into heaven. He is not just with you. He is in you and you in him. So consider the darkness that remains in your life, the spiritual lethargy, the habitual sin, the deep-seated resentment, that place in your life where you feel most defeated. Our sins loom large. They seem so unconquerable. But Christ and your union with him loom larger still. You have been strengthened with the power to fight and overcome sin because the power that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in you, living and active for Jesus Christ himself resides in you. You can never be justifiably accused ever again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. Draw strength from your oneness with Jesus. You are no longer alone, no longer isolated. When you sin, don't give up. Let him pick you up and put you on your feet with fresh dignity. He lifts your chin, looks you in the eye, and defines your existence. You in me and I in you. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your wonderful grace, for your mercy, for your kindness to us. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you that we get to live in these times promised from the Old Testament, in the New Covenant, where we are given your spirit and you give us a new heart to pursue change and you move us to keep your commands and you change our desires and our will. And Lord, we just want to surrender ourselves and open ourselves up to your work this morning. Work on our hearts. Where our hearts have been hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, we pray that you would soften them, that you would show us that you are not just with us, but in us to do the work of transformation. Give us confidence in you, Jesus. Lord, if we have given up on an area in our life that we just feel like it's just too hard, I can't beat it. Lord, help us to repent of that and to put our faith not in ourselves, but in you and in your power to transform. You can do all things. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you and we commit ourselves to killing the things that do not please you in our lives. We commit ourselves to becoming fully human, restored image bearers. People like Jesus do that glorious work in us, we pray, Father, by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.